Hi, welcome to Imperial Hearts episode 11. 12. Nope, 12. We're on 12. <laughs> wow. Okay, uh, what are we talking about today? Um, our main topic of discussion for today is going to be Anakin Skywalker. We are going to talk about Anakin Skywalker. His arc, his um, like representation, in, not representation, his like portrayal mm-hmm. in the different media and how it changes and... How basically, I mean, as a thesis statement, we don't think he's that bad. <laughs> yeah, I guess you could say that. Yeah, I guess right. And I, I was gonna say that, um, it's gonna be, it's like Anakin Skywalker Part One, what we see in the movies, because as we've discussed, we haven't watched Clone Wars, and I would say, you know, it's almost like the vast majority of his screen time is in Clone Wars. Clone Wars. So, um, this is sort of movie Anakin Skywalker. There's no EU. No legends, no Clone Wars, um, you know, pretty much no rebels. Just the original trilogy, the prequel trilogy. Just Anakin. Just Anakin. No items, Final Destination. <laughs> what? What? Someone will get that. <laughs> okay. Only Anakin's. No items, Final Destination. <laughs> <laughs> Smash Brothers. Okay. It's like a anyway. Never mind. Okay. Not funny. I'm sure it was. I'm sorry, I don't play Smash Brothers. Um, yeah, we'll have so we'll have to watch Clone Wars and do a part two at some point. Our reassessment based on Clone Wars sounds good. Um, but so, do you want to start with uh, some news items? I do. I do. Um, a lot of Rogue One news came out this week, um, and there's a next the next issue of Entertainment Weekly is got a huge Rogue One cover story, and it's all these new characters. A bunch of them got named. Uh, there's a bunch of interviews with the filmmakers, Kathleen Kennedy, all kinds of stuff about Rogue One. We're not going to go into too many details because I'm totally going to buy this magazine when it comes out. Which is like, when's the last time you bought a magazine? I'm buying a magazine. They, they still make magazines? I know. So, uh, yeah, I want to buy this magazine, and we'll talk about a lot of the details next week. But um, there were a couple of things that I wanted to talk about. One, the um, Forrest Whitaker's character, you know, whose voiceover we hear in the trailer, talking to Jin, presumably. Yep. He is playing a character named Saw Guerrera who is a Clone Wars character. That's a really cool name. Yeah, and it's really cool that he's from Clone Wars. So I actually like, went and looked at what the character looks like and what he looks like, yeah. and it's like interesting. Like You can kind of see a bit of a resemblance. Yeah, and they gave him the same scar. Yeah, he's got like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and that's what did it for me. Yeah, and so in the Clone Wars, Saw Gerrera was kind of a radical, you know, sort of guerrilla mercenary sort of thing okay. and the uh story goes in the cover story that he's basically a rebel extremist he's so extreme that even the rebellion is sort of concerned about him interesting and apparently and this was a reference that i missed because i didn't recognize this name he was referenced in bloodline by ransom talks to leia about how saw guerrera's guerrilla tactics were considered terrorism wow and that he made you know, like there were. He That's made the really rebellion cool. Look bad. Yeah, they like they seeded these characters yeah. throughout the. It's really cool, and he's like the first major like cartoon only character to make an appearance in the 
films so it's kind of a I guess we can pretty much expect to see Rebels characters now in films too yeah I guess that it like I wonder if we're gonna see Rebels characters in Rogue One do you know what would be cool is if some of them play if some of the voice actors like you could get Gina Torres to play her character yeah Gina Torres actually probably resembles her character the most that I've seen I forget what she looks like in in Clone Wars but yeah probably she's younger she's much younger but Right, but yeah, Still, you could easily yeah. get her to yeah. Um, right, that that would be cool. Yeah, it would be cool if we could get yeah rebels characters. Everybody's like, oh, can we please have Ahsoka? <laughs> like Ahsoka in a movie, that would be so cool. Um, but her, she's got a book coming out later this year, so yeah. I, I doubt it. Um, that would be cool though. But it would be cool to see like Fulcrum in uh, Rogue One. Who's Fulcrum? It's Ahsoka. Remember from the her code name. In the rebellion. Oh, okay. Although she's gone, yeah, I guess she wouldn't be in Rogue One. Never mind. I mean, there's no confirmation that she's dead. No, that's true. People that's true. are saying that, but I don't know if it's true. Yeah, and they did confirm that Vader is definitely in it, and that James Earl Jones is yeah, I his role. saw that. That's really awesome. Yeah, and this was something that I was really excited about. They did confirm that Mads Mikkelsen, Jin's father, is a scientist who is very much sought by both sides of the war, and they likened him to the Robert Oppenheimer, which is exactly what we said in the podcast, so that rumor was true. I'm so hyped about this movie. I was kind of worried for a, you know, a week when they were talking about the reshoots, but then they put out this cover story just in time, and uh, I'm totally gone. The hype train has left the station. Again, no slowdowns. I'm. You still have like half a year to wait. I know, I know. It's five a, months. It's a problem. So five I'm, months. I'm really excited. I'm gonna get every scrap of information I can. Oh, oh my god! And then this was the last one. Was they had a photo of the like death troopers, and one of them is holding a stormtrooper doll, and the quotation that went with it was that yes that is a stormtrooper doll like an action figure and that it plays a relevant part in the story interesting what does that mean a stormtrooper have doll? you heard about what death troopers are no they are vader's personal Ooh. fist like they're vader's troopers whoa they're his like special ops guys whoa. who report directly to vader whoa which is kind of cool because like they kind of they have like all black costumes like Vader does, and they yeah. have, their masks even kind of have a um, yeah they yeah they do a Vader thing to it. And they also had a really interesting quote, um, Gareth Edwards. I want to read this um, this little quote. He said, "The rebels are barely familiar with Vader. Even within the Empire, he's more legend than everyday presence. That makes sense. Within the Rebellion, it's not co- commonly spoken about," says director Gareth Edwards. Within the Empire, there's the culture of knowing of the existence of Darth Vader. There's definitely an underlying feeling that there's a power, a dark power, available to the Empire, and that if you overstep your mark, you will suffer the consequences. Kind of like, like this Imperial boogeyman kind of thing. Um, cool. Which is kind of cool. And uh, that kind of dovetails with what we see in Lost Stars, where the characters, uh, some of the characters do meet Darth Vader, but they're sort of afraid and repulsed by him. Like, it's not like he's 
they don't really consider him part of... He's not, like, respected as part of, like, the Imperial Militia. Yeah. He's, he's like, feared more than respected. Yeah, he, he freaks them out, and he's weird, and... It, and, like, people hear rumors about him. Yeah. Yeah. And you can kind of picture that culture where this figure would be this... Yeah, it's like a boogeyman. It's like, oh, if you fuck this up, Darth Vader's gonna come and get you, you know? And in some yeah. cases, that's actually true. He does. Uh, but... Um, yeah, I think that's really cool. So, yeah, that train, I was worried that this train was going to derail, and it maybe still will, but I am, no, I'm, I'm like beyond hype for this movie. Everything I find out about it is just like digging me deeper into this hole. And um, I think it'll be good. Me too. I think I, I think I will like it, even if it isn't. That's I th- the thing. I think it'll be at least a 7 out of 10, at worst. Yeah, seven out of ten hearts, three out of five hearts. Oh wait, we're in our, on our scale. Our scale is five, right? Yeah, five out of five on cutes. There, there's lots of cutes in that movie already. There's lots of cutes. Yeah, five out of five cutes. Okay, so that's that's my news of the week. Um, do I have any news of the week? I don't know. I don't think I do. Okay. Um. Yeah, I don't have anything. Okay. I didn't do any Star Warsing this week. I just did that Rogue One, Rogue Oneing. Aren't week. you reading like this another novel? Yeah, aftermath, aftermath update. Some cutes. Uh, Some cutes. Yeah, it's um. It's interesting. I keep I wanted to be objective about it. It keeps throwing some like cute bones at me, and I'm like, oh, this is too cute. Cute bones. Cute bones. So it's like... Cute bones, guys. <laughs> so I I keep like... It's so reviled, but there's so many things that I'm like, oh, Chuck Wendig, you did this for me. And... Uh, I'm honestly like... That's the thing in everything that appeals to me. It's like, you just make it more cute. Yeah. Or like make the characters a bit more cute. I know. Or like a little bit quirky or a little bit more yeah. like cheeky. Yeah. And I'm going to like it more. I know. And, like, there's just so many... I was... It's still... It's not the most exciting book, which is weird. Again, I think I mentioned that before. It's just somehow manages not to be that exciting. But, um... I still like... And, okay, we'll have to talk about this on the episode where we do that. Um, Episode 18, I think, was going to be the Aftermath episode. But um, I think it was not the best choice for the first new canon novel to be like Journey to the Force Awakens. I think that was its big misstep, was that it, it, it sold itself as being this Journey to the Force Awakens. It's really not that connect- like it's just another story. Yeah, and it's set right after um, Revenge, uh, Return of the Jedi. And so I think people were expecting Interesting. Like it's, it's even it's set before the Battle of Jakku. Interesting. Yeah, so it, it I think people were expecting a greater connection to The Force Awakens, and the only connections to it would be ones that you'd see in retrospect, like having Snap Wexley be one of the characters, stuff like that. Right. Like Snap Wexley's not really a character in the movie, though. Exactly. So it's like if you if you expected he's to like see, an Easter egg. Yeah. Um. So I I think that's that book's mistake where. Um, people had expectations about it that couldn't be realized because that's just not the book that it was. Um, he the the sequel part two, Life Debt, comes out in like two weeks, 
which is mostly about Han and Chewie, as you might expect from the name. But all your favorite friends are back. Snap Wesley's mom and oh yeah okay and, that's kind of cool. and like uh, Sinjir, who's like the imperial defector turned. What like, about what about the the Bones droid? Doctor Bones, Mister Bones. Mr. Bones, I don't know. Mr. Bones got left behind on Snap Wexley's planet. That, that was definitely my favorite thing that you told me about the book. I know. Is there's like a droid who's like, I don't remember the details, but his name is Mr. Bones. Yeah, he's like an episode one, like battle droid. He's yeah. like a battle droid who uh, Snap, who's called Temin in the book. They don't call him Snap, but I'm going to call him Snap. He, um, he like fixes him up. And he he's he's a little you know circuitry's a little damaged and he um, his uh, voice modulator is also damaged so he's always kind of like crackling up and but he still he still says like Roger Roger a lot <laughs> and he co- that's adorable he's like covered himself in literal bones like he's got like strings of, that's why he's called Mister Bones because he's got these right. little like bones hanging battle droids already kind of look like bones mm-hmm. he's got these bones hanging off of his exoskeleton and they like rattle around as he walks he's kind of freaky um that sounds awesome he's he was kind of like one of snap's sort of bodyguards okay so anyway i'm you know, sure he's gonna show speaking up speaking of droids we've got like a much better view now of the rogue one droid yeah um and k2so yeah i'm assuming that's gonna be alan tudyk it is yeah so he's pretty cool they say he's pretty grumpy i've heard the droid described as like a, a droid chewbacca yeah um which is kind of cool and he's like gray kind of and he's cute looking yeah it'll be fun except for the fact that like literally all the characters other than Jin that they introduced are are dudes um including the droid including the droid because we've never had a female droid in, in, star, in wars. star wars which is Super ever. dumb. Like why? Why are I don't in the extended canon? There's there's like you know, male and female programming, but yeah. you've just never seen examples of it. Yeah. Well, in in um like Hux's mom is a droid. Whoa, what? Kind of. What? Yeah. Hux's mom is a droid. Kind of. There's so like... Hux is half droid. Well, I mean, not by a lot. On his mother's side. <laughs> and he took his mother's name and hyphenated it, so his name is actually <laughs> Colonel Droid Hux. <laughs> Her name isn't Droid. That's that's, that's every Droid's last name. I guess is so. Droid. Oh right, right. Mister Droid, that's my father. I'm a Droid. <laughs> I want to read. So yeah, we should read. I want to read that book, the book where his dad is like one of the main one of the villains. Anyway, yeah, he has like a a evil protocol Droid. Her name is BB. No, Dee Dee. Her name is Dee Dee. Dee Dee is the cutest name for a droid. And, uh... Oh my god. She's evil, and... Anyway, yeah. What the hell? Yeah, and the... the One of the writers... What is this in? Um, it's called The Secret Academy, and it's like a YA novel starring the kid... Remember the, the episode? Oh, of, yeah, yeah, I know yeah, that. I know the episode that of Rebels. That's the one where Brundle Hux is the... <laughs> headmistress. <laughs> What? I don't want to think about the fly every time I think about that. (laughs) He's like a weird alien. He's like a toy Darian. (laughs) 
No, no, no. Yes. Anyway. I'm yeah. Sorry. I want to read. I want to read that book. And he has like an assistant droid named Dee Dee. And that's the cutest name for a droid ever. Yeah. So that's a female canon droid. But they're just yeah. You don't see them. Like why couldn't? Why are there no lady astromechs? We had one in our Imperial Assault campaign. Yeah. Her name was Kate, and she was awesome. R5K8. R5K8 is super cute. So, yeah. More ladies. Why are none of these Rogue One characters ladies? I'm so hyped for this movie that I can't even get that mad about it. But afterwards, I'll be mad about it. Unless there's more in the movie. Like Mon Mothma. She has a larger role. Totally. Okay. So, let's talk about Anakin Skywalker. Let's talk. You should start. Okay. Um, so, yeah, I guess, um, just for context, uh, Revenge of the Sith came out when we were in, going to our third year, no, second year, anyway, we were in, we were in college. We were in college, and so, um, like, everyone we knew liked Star Wars, right? Like, it's just, like, a thing. Everybody was into Star Wars, so we talked a lot about it after that movie came out with all the people that we knew. Yeah. And there was just a general sense that, um, obviously... Uh, there was a general sense that Revenge of the Sith was really disappointing and that everyone was really, really anticipating this movie because we were finally going to see Anakin's transformation into Vader and, like, what caused that? Because that was really the big mystery of the prequels was what tips Anakin from being a Jedi into uh, this Dark Lord and, like, how does that actually happen? And there was just a... um, a real sentiment that 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 was a disappointment. What happened in the movie was disappointing, and um, abrupt and unbelievable, and just his motivation was weak. And um, that character has been, you know, and, and still is, sort of dismissed and decried as whiny and overdramatic, and you know, oh, he did it because his, you know, yeah, with his yeah. his girl, his wife, or whatever. And I, I feel like we're not necessarily here to defend the writing of the prequels because I think I think that there were some missteps and that that arc was fumbled. But I think, and I think we, we both agree, that all of the ingredients of that arc actually do exist to make it satisfying and understandable. And it's n- not unbelievable. It's actually kind of a logical extension of the whole story. But... Uh, it just needed a different emphasis in the movies. I have a couple. I mean, this is an overall point. Where yeah. I think there's like two things that are missing. Um, I think that for me, what's missing is, I mean, it's partially like acting or directing. Mm-hmm. Like the portrayal on screen was not yeah. the greatest. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if that's Hayden Christensen's fault. It's probably George Lucas's fault. Yeah, I'm sure there's a. I mean, everybody is. At blame. And and the thing is, like, almost everybody puts in a pretty damn mediocre performance in those movies, so... Yeah, exactly. Otherwise good actors, so... <laughs> yeah. And I think the other thing that's missing is... Darth Vader never has a Strathome. A calling of Strathome. So... Yeah! Okay, so yeah. I... I don't know if I've ever mentioned this. But, okay, so this is what... If you guys know Warcraft... There's a character named Arthas um, who becomes the Lich King. And it's very analogous to Darth Vader's arc from Anakin to yeah. 
the Lich King. Yeah. And there's this point in the story where this like pure good knight is faced with this decision to let a city die or let the world die. Mm-hmm. And there's a city of people who are turning into zombies, basically. And if he doesn't kill them all before they turn, yeah. they're going to invade the whole continent. Um, so he chooses to kill the people. Yeah. And I think that's like, you needed you needed something like that. Like yeah. maybe with the sand people, like maybe yeah. make his killing the sand people. But you need like a hard decision that he mm-hmm. has to make. And this is something I know you want to get into today about yeah. his not being, like not having a lot of agency. Yeah. And I think, you know, in, um, I think his killing of Dooku is sort of intended to be a bit of that moment. Yeah, but it's more it's more about um him being easily dominated. Yeah, and exactly. I think that that's what that moment really becomes about whereas yeah. it doesn't feel like a choice. It's not um, a choice for him. He's But that's that's one of the moments that um he can't really go back from, especially because it cements it cements his um him and him and Palpatine now share this secret because Obi-Wan was dead when Anakin kills Dooku. So him and Palpatine now have this shameful secret that Palpatine's like, I won't tell if you won't tell. And Anakin's like, crap. You know, like, he feels really bad about it after it happens. But he also feels good. Um, And so then that kind of ties them together and he has this sort of moment of doubt. But yeah, it's true. He's, um, He's really... The thing is that he's swept along by everyone else as opposed to having to make his his own choices um the choices that he does have to make are not he often makes poor ones but uh, i think the reasons for those are also really understandable and we haven't seen the clone wars he might get i think he might get a couple of moments like that throughout you're actually you're probably right he probably does Um, and uh but the the point is that it shouldn't need six seasons of a tv show to illustrate that arc, it should be. You could do it in a movie. He just needed a harder choice. Yeah, he and. Um, I think a lot of like good characters are built on hard choices. Yeah, agreed. And it's like coming up with those interesting hard choices is hard. Yeah. As a writer, I think. Yeah. And believable. Like yeah, believable. Yeah. Like that someone would do something so awful because the. And I think that that's how you make villains, right? Basically, mm-hmm. like they make they they don't make the wrong decision; they make the understandable decision. Yeah. Um, but and they're not like delighting in making these wrong choices because no, they're so evil. No, and I think that's what starts, you know, like for villains, for tragic Shakespearean yeah. villains like that. Yeah, like you need, you need something like that. Yeah, and Anakin is this series, um, like prime tragic villain. Like he's, yeah, he's um, it's that's what makes the prequels a tragedy because the outcome is. Um, preordained we already know how this story ends and we know that it doesn't end well for Anakin and we the um, as an audience we want to see that play out in an interesting way because we do know what the ending is that's right we know he becomes Darth Vader at the end of Revenge of the Sith so the journey that we want to be taken on is is to see that um, to see that uh, done interestingly so speaking of that um something i've been really interested in like reading the comics is star wars has a really fucked up reading order now yeah so like if you are a kid or whatever getting into this stuff like 
there's a lot of starting points, but like if you read the comics that they're putting out now, they assume you've watched all the movies. Yeah. So like, including Force Awakens. Yeah. Yeah. So it's actually interesting. Like a lot of these things aren't really standalone anymore, and like mm-hmm. you gotta watch the original ones first, and then the prequels, and yeah. then the later ones, and then the comics, and then there's comics yeah. and books, which you assumes you've watched everything else. Yeah. And it's like I I can. I'm sorry, not sorry to the Legends fans because I just can't get behind the um, the sort of people are very upset. They want Legends to come back and they want people to write more Legends. And I think like it's already confusing as hell. Can you imagine if they had all these brand new books and you've got these new Star Wars fans and they're like, they pick up a book and they're expecting it to be, oh, it's after, you know, it's related to The Force Awakens because it's after... Return of the Jedi, but no, there's all these characters, like, it's yeah, just this making, whole alternate universe. It's, a, it's At the end of the day, it's a business, yeah. and they're not gonna make legend stuff, because it's not easy to sell. Yeah. Like, that's not gonna be profitable. I just, I I support the decision to sort of wipe the slate with legends and say, okay, that's legends now, we've got this new canon, it's, and it's, it's already getting confusing, and like, uh, there's so much stuff being put out that it's hard to keep up with. So it would be even harder if there were two sets of universes where one of them is... Yeah. The, these these characters that you know from the movies have a different set of children, and there's... It'll be like Marvel, where there's like yeah. the ultimate universe. Yeah. Like, I... that There's a reason I don't read uh, Marvel or DC comics, like superhero comics, and that that's why. It's just they're so inaccessible... And so confusing about like where you... I don't think they are now, but a lot well, of them are get... they're... they're known for that. Yeah, and they're sort of getting that way again. Like they keep rebooting them, but then they keep kind of adding these layers of weird complexity to it that I don't know. So I just I just never been able to get into it, partly because of that. Uh, anyway, back to Anakin. So I wanted to ask you because I think you'll have some thoughts about this to start with. Is do you think that Anakin Skywalker was the chosen one? And do you think he brought balance to the Force? Like they prophesied. I don't have a yes or no question to that, but mm-hmm. I do have something to say about that. Okay. I think that, yes, he, he, he doesn't bring balance to the Force. He, he, but there is a back and forth that goes on, right? Like, so you have the, like, the Jedi Order is getting corrupt. Mm-hmm. So there's like born into the world like this evil wrecking ball that's gonna wipe the slate clean yeah and then luke comes and rebalances it again yeah and then now it's like in this new movie i think my current theory is that ray is going to turn to the dark side which will keep that momentum because mm-hmm. you kind of have this like like you have a hero that falls to the dark side yeah and like balances the force to one side and then you have it gets balanced back to the light side and now it's getting balanced back to the dark side i think so i don't know how that will manifest if that's just going to manifest through kylo yeah or if it's going to manifest through our heroes falling and our do you know what i mean right yeah because that's kind of like there's this momentum to it where um this like weird balancing of things yeah so i don't think like i think in a way darth vader does balance it but only in a only in a way that not in a permanent way Mm -hmm. 
mm-hmm. in a in a counterbalance balance like that because without without one side you don't have the other yeah um so they need to constantly be like you know one's getting stronger and then the other one gets stronger and then like you have periods of time where they kind of fluctuate yeah and i think that's like really cool i thought there was a really interesting um you linked me to a video about sort of the connections between um darth maul and snoke we watched yeah. this video yeah yeah that yeah. had a lot of really interesting things to say about how like thematic ones yeah thematic connections not not lore yeah connections. yeah you're right thematic connections and how um rebel spoiler by the way <laughs> Well, I can keep it not Rebel Spoiler. Just I can okay. talk about Snoke and Kylo. Where, right. where Kylo... I think um, it's interesting if we do put a spoiler here, though. Sure. I do want to talk about this. Okay. So, so for the next, like, five minutes, fast forward. If okay. you're gonna... Yeah, if you don't want to be spoiled for Rebels. Yeah. So we had, um, I think, with... You know, where they were talking about Kylo being sort of a balance between... He is the light and the dark side. And he uses them both. And in, Snoke really values that. Yeah, that that obviously we see that as being a source of conflict, internal conflict for Kylo, but that that's what Snoke sees in him. Um, And that's really interesting because obviously before this, you've got Sidious and Vader who are like, let's all be about the dark side. And then you've got the Jedi who are really, don't ever touch the dark side, Um, only use the light side. So this, like Kylo, is really the first character that we see who um, who is explicitly drawn to both and, and attempting to balance both within one person instead of, you and know. I, I think it's interesting that Snoke and Kylo are never referred to as Sith. Yeah, they aren't Sith. They're not Sith, mm-hmm. which I think is notable. Yeah. Because that seems like that would be for a reason. Mm-hmm. And neither, should it be noted, is Maul when we see him in Rebels. Yes, that's what we wanted to talk about. Like, yeah, Maul shows up again in Rebels and is just Maul, not Darth Maul, and is the enemy of the Sith. Yes. And likes Ezra because of this balance between light and darkness Mm -hmm. in the same way that, like, Kylo... Yeah. um, So it'll be interesting to see where that goes. Yeah, in Season 3 of Rebels. In Season 3 of Rebels, and then it'll be interesting to see where it goes with Snoke and Kylo. Mm-hmm. And I'm still really interested to see where they take Ezra's character and if Ezra shows up in the movies. Yeah. Because I'm almost expecting that. There's got to be... They're, they're going to have some major crossover there's with Rebels gotta in the movies. There's got to be. Like, I, I'm sure that... Rebels has got so much stock in it right now. Yeah. Like, people really like it. There's fantasy flight game stuff about yeah. it. Like, I don't know. And it's already serving as a really good bridge between the prequel trilogy and the original trilogy. Yeah, it's fantastic. So um, I've, I've been really impressed by... There's lots of boring filler episodes of Rebels, but the overall lore and the overall arcs have been really killer. The like last half of season two was really good television. Yeah, um, it was. And, and I'm, I'm really excited for season three. Okay, so this is completely unrelated. Okay. But I was thinking about this the other day. Yeah. Do you think that the Ren in Kylo Ren is short for children or has or is intentionally using that piece of a word to to like invoke that yeah i don't know i never thought about that before because like that's the only like there's only a few words that are compared like they do this thing in star wars right where they like they'll take a word like vader Mm -hmm. which is a piece of the word invade 
Right. You know, or like... Also Dutch for father. Oh, that's cute. Yeah. That's... Whoa, that's clever. (laughs) Wow. That's awesome. Um, Anyway, but yeah, yeah, so like, I feel like Ren is like rend you know Mm -hmm. like that's kind Mm -hmm. of like he does a lot of rending yep but also children Hmm. like i wonder if all the other knights around are like kids of jedi or something yeah well i think there's a lot of theories i think this theory is plausible that he didn't kill all the other jedi at the academy yeah he turned them that the other knights of ren are i hope they have stuff with the knights of ren students i they've got to right because i think that i really want to see how that goes yeah what are they like yeah how how can kylo lead a group of people i know especially ones that we never see master yeah. of the knights of ren but like, we never see them mean? in the movie yeah. yeah no it's interesting so yeah so um anyway anakin yeah bringing balance to the force i think like the thing that i i believe you know as well as the Republic being kind of mired in corruption and bureaucracy and it was sort of like ripe for being taken over by the Empire or it becomes the Empire, I think the same way the Jedi Order is kind of sowing the seeds of its own destruction by the time of the prequel trilogy. And um, I feel like, and this has been discussed outside of, um, within the universe, by Yoda in Rebels, as well as outside the universe by, like, story group writers like, you know, Pablo Senpai, who talks about, um, I was just, I'm just making fun of how, how much we talk Senpai about, Hidalgo. <laughs> yeah, how much we talk about Pablo Hidalgo on the podcast, but where he's talked about how, you know, basically the decision to join the Clone Wars was the, a death knell for the Jedi Order, and that, um, them getting involved in the military and having these military campaigns where they, uh, you know, they send literal children to the front lines of this war. Like, Anakin, Ahsoka, Kanan, like, Padawans, basically, who are fighting at the forefront of this war alongside a very dubiously ethical clone army. Um, yeah. Which the Jedi Order does not seem to throw up that much resistance to. Um, considering how friggin' unethical it is. So I think um, Anakin is shoulders an unfair portion of the blame for the downfall of the Jedi Order. I think he is the instrument of its destruction, but not its uh, source. It's not the... Not its conductor? Yeah. But an instrument? Yeah. Um, and I th- so I, I wanted to, you know, it related to that, I had... Um, uh, a friend on Twitter, um, Sath, who asked a question, a rhetorical question, a few weeks ago, which is, what do you think is more unethical, the uh, Republic clone army or the First Order Stormtrooper f- program? And I think that's a really interesting... Clone army. Personally? Yeah. Just because of the scale and because you're... I mean, it's... It's complicated. It is. It's because it's like... Is the Stormtrooper program conscriptions? Are they stealing children? Uh, I think... Probably for the most part, yes. I think it's implied that... I guess it's the same then. Yeah. I guess it's the same. They're both drafting 
children. Yeah. I guess, like, the only thing that adds to it for the clones is they're kind of, like, more, like, slaves. Yeah, they literally have chips in their heads to, like, force yeah. them to do certain things, which is extra but fucked I'm, up. Yeah, I mean, like, the Stormtrooper room, they're also essentially... They don't have a choice. Yeah, they're brainwashed. But the clones are also kind of brainwashed. Yeah. And the clones also have, like, an artificially shortened lifespan. They're, like, I think imperfect clones. the clones feels more wrong to it me. It does. It feels more wrong to me, too. Um, it It's... It, like, you have original consent. You know, like, you have Jango Fett consenting to be cloned, but none of his clones... Consented to yeah, be consent born. Yeah, to be born or to be in this army. Or born to, into an army. Yeah, to have these chips in their heads and these short lifespans where they age uh, quickly and, and are just forced to fight against this these droid separatists. It's just the whole thing is super gross. It's fucked up. And, um, yeah, agreed. Yeah, I feel like the that's a huge moral failing on the part of the Jedi Order that um, they have no they can't divorce themselves from, from that war and not not only do they fight in it but they accept the clone army which is um, well I think like the Jedi are not supposed to be or I don't know if it's supposed to be like yeah. in an ideal society it's not led by the Jedi no and they weren't supposed to be militarized either and that's like what luke kind of realizes yeah and like steps back instead of being involved yeah. in the new republic yeah and i i think so either either way the the clone wars is like a really dark time for the jedi order and uh yoda even admits in rebels that most of the jedi order had fallen under the dark side at that point um uh without real like nobody realizes it at the time but fighting that war was a mistake and obviously Palpatine orchestrates it you know yeah he makes it so that they have a hard decision yeah and they have to do it yeah Darth Sidious is like behind this whole manipulation um to bring down partially to bring down the Jedi Order and to take over the galaxy and it succeeds but they play their part in that and I think um a really important intersection of that is how they play their part with Anakin because um, I, I called this subtitle of this episode, I'm not saying the Jedi Order caused Darth Vader, but I'm saying they sure didn't do anything to prevent it. Because um, it's, a, I think they also share a fair bit of the blame for what happened to Anakin. Definitely. Um, so, yeah. Do you have, do you want to go next? Sure. You can talk about whatever. Um... Did you know that the 501st, which is Vader's personal stormtrooper contingent, mm-hmm. was originally a, a clone, clone army? Yeah, I did know that because there's a couple of characters in Tarkin. Yeah, were... so the 501st was like a clone brigade, and they stay with Vader from when they used to be with Anakin. That's cool. Yeah, I thought that was pretty cool. I think I'm really going to like the clone characters in Clone Wars. Clone characters are the best. Yeah, clones and droids the best yeah i'm excited about that um yeah so the main thing i want to talk about with anakin is um his choices the idea of his 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 agency as a character and as a person um because i feel like the fundamental underpinning of his character arc is his lack of agency and his um yeah the thing that the thing that we've always said that they really 
de-emphasize in the movies, which explains so much about that character or could go towards explaining that character is that he spent his, all of his formative years a slave. This is a person who, yes, he is seen to have something of a, you know, he has leisure time, he has a mother who loves him, you know, he has friends, he has this hobby, uh, fixing droids and building this pod racer, but make no mistake about it, he's a slave. Yeah. He believes that he has a chip in his head that is going to explode his head if he steps out of line. Yeah. Like, this is, this was not a normal childhood. And this person, at ten year nine, ten years old, joins the Jedi Order, which is what he's always wanted, because who, what kid doesn't? Like, every nine-year-old in real life wants to join the Jedi Order, <laughs> right? Like, it's, it's everybody wants... Or be wa- a starfighter pilot. Yeah, or be a starfighter pilot. But, you know, like, being a Jedi is, like... you know it's very it's aspirational why wouldn't he want to be but what he doesn't realize at the time is that he literally trades one master for another yeah that was something he pointed out (laughs) to me before we started yeah it's like he literally calls Qui-Gon master yeah that's like he just goes from one master to another and like I didn't yeah even even with the same word yeah and they that's really fucked up you know they um he he they very reluctantly let him in um after you know as we discussed in our phantom menace episode they like say to his face that he he has too much fear and that if you know fear leads to anger and hate and the dark side and they're throwing all this shit at this nine-year-old boy who's just left his home uh, and his mother for the first time in his life and he's like whoa dudes like what did i do wrong you're already giving me all this static about just existing yeah like being being exist like his very existence is wrong yeah, yeah. they're they're basically telling him that that what he yeah what he's he a is, monster. is is wrong and he still wants to be a jedi again who wouldn't and he has nowhere else to go that's like he's left everything behind to, to do this. So, um, you know, they finally agree. They tell him what to do. They tell him what to think. They tell him how to feel. They tell him how to dress. Like, they, he just, he's no more free as a Jedi than he was as a slave. And I think um, the a, one of the big problems with that, aside from the obvious one, is that he... Um, the sort of deep emotional trauma that he experiences from being raised in that environment is not healed by the Jedi because they are they're unequipped to handle people's emotions. Yeah. They they expect you to be born into this thing essentially where they can indoctrinate you from birth into having the Jedi be your family. You you feel what we tell you to feel because it's the dark side to feel all these other things. And now you've got this boy who has spent the first 10 years of his life with a family, with a lot of emotional trauma, and now they're telling him, well, you don't have a family anymore. We're your family. You shouldn't have these emotions anymore because they're wrong. And um, yeah, so just try that because... 
you know, you're a Jedi now, so just do that. And, mm-hmm. you know, I imagine that there probably, obviously, there would be some sort of mechanism through which they would attempt to teach the children to let go of some of these feelings, but we never see that in the movies. We just see the characters tell him, Jesus, Anakin, stop feeling this way. Like, Anakin goes to see Yoda in a time of great distress um, about what's happening to Padme, and Yoda tells him, like, dude, have you just, like, tried not having feelings? Like, do what I do. Like, Chill, man. Just, like, have you tried, you know, not, not worrying about about your shit like I don't know just like try it maybe yeah and you're like geez Yoda you've had 900 years to practice you can't empathize with a 20 year old man whose wife is you know like he's having whose secret wife is pregnant and he's gonna be kicked out of the Jedi order if anyone finds out about it he thinks she's gonna die like it's understandable that Yoda can't empathize with him I think the thing like I I always feel the need to defend Yoda (laughs) Cause you, I know. Cause I, I, I know. I give a lot of shit to Yoda. So okay, I, so like the thing to keep in mind with Yoda is he's kind of like Doctor Who. He's been around for. I don't know why I chose that. That is. Yeah, the, they're about the same age. They're about the same age. Yeah, yeah. he's been around for so long that like mm-hmm. it's actually he's the antithesis of Doctor Who. Because Doctor Who cares about every single little person. Yeah. And Yoda, it's like if you're around for that long. It's like one life is not... Well, exactly. That's what I'm saying. He literally can't empathize with he's Anakin. He's a cosmic being. He's, like he's not yeah, thinking he's, about... No, he can't. Uh, and what I'm saying is that... That Yoda puts himself in a position where he does think he can counsel the, the you know, humans on how they should deal with their feelings. I think, you know, maybe he should know that he can't. Leave that shit to somebody else. I think he's doing his best. Well, like, he is, but... I think that, you know, his... The Jedi Order for him is more about higher, loftier goals. Yeah. And, like, he realizes afterwards that... Yeah. They shouldn't have been put in a political position. Yeah. The Jedi are not supposed to get involved in politics. And the thing is that Yoda's never wrong when he talks to Anakin. He's no. not. He's not wrong that Anakin's attachment is going to cause him pain and suffering... But the the misstep is that he doesn't offer Anakin any solutions for that. He doesn't offer him any... He doesn't give him, like, a counselor. Doesn't no. Like give yeah, him a... he, he doesn't say, okay, look, dude, I know you're having these feelings. Talk to these other humans about it. Yeah, like, let's let's get this person, this very potentially dangerous person who I've had visions is dangerous. Why don't, <laughs> why don't we get him some emotional fucking support? Like, why why don't we support this person instead of just Mm -hmm. constantly minimizing his emotional distress and telling him he shouldn't have it? I think this, the, for me, the arc of the prequels is uh, a damaged mental health support system. Sure. This, it's a story about deep trauma, uh, both from his earlier life his secret relationship with Padme, his shame in not living up to the ideal that they expect him to, um, and his inability to find support for that. Um, yeah, like at the end of that, at the end of his arc, like how would he not be depressed? Like how would, yeah. how would he have, like aside from like, you know, whatever, I guess he likes Padme or something, mm-hmm. but like 
what's his motivation to keep living? Mm-hmm. You know, like, like it's not like he has a lot of friends or yeah, and he thinks that Padme is gonna die. Like, yeah, he like Padme dies. He's like, why am I? Gonna, yeah. why bother living? Yeah, and and I think like all of that to say that I think it's um, it's obvious why he's such easy pickings for Palpatine. Yeah, I think you it know? makes a lot of sense. Yeah, he's. Um, Palpatine is kind and empathetic to him. We know in reality that he's, to to a greater or lesser extent, just manipulating him. Um, but he presents as a... He genuinely cares about him. He listens to his problems. He offers him concrete solutions, you know, through the power of the dark side. You know, maybe there's some questionably dubious ethics there too, obviously. But it should be noted that when Anakin finds out that Palpatine is Sidious, he wants to arrest him. Yeah. He's like, oh shit, you meant the dark side? Well, I'm not down with that. <laughs> that was a euphemism. Yeah, like, I'm a Jedi. Like, I thought this was a story, dude. Like, I thought you were, oh, crap. We, I should call, and he calls the Jedi to be like, oh. That's actually one of my favorite parts in Return of the Sith. Yeah. Palpatine's like, hey man, I'm a Sith. I'm just yeah, gonna, just gonna tell you. I'm <laughs> just gonna put that out there. And Anakin's like, "What?" <laughs> He's like yeah. so taken aback. Yeah, I actually really like how that goes down. It's, yeah, it's very like. I mean, there's a build up to it, but it's really yeah. funny that Anakin's like, "Did you just tell me that?" Yeah, he's totally taken by surprise. And yeah. Palpatine, like, uh, he just kind of lays it out on the table, and he's like, "Look, the Jedi are gonna want to arrest me, but I'm telling you that I'm trying to help you." And when they come, and it's going to come down to them killing him, and Anakin intervenes because he's afraid that he's going to lose this this knowledge of how to save Padme. Um, and then it's too far. Then it's too late. Now he's made this choice um, yeah. to to stick with Palpatine. Um, and it's yeah, it's I mean, it's kind of a classic abuse narrative. He's like, you know. Palpatine grooms him to be this, uh, his only confidant, and yeah. he grows up with a lot of shame about um, his feelings, and he has no outlet to express them because he knows that Obi-Wan isn't receptive, and he knows that Yoda's not receptive, and so any sort of misgivings he might have about Palpatine he has no way to discuss that with anybody. He just sort of internalizes it. And and I think that's an interesting parallel with what happens with Snoke and Kylo Ren. Where um, it's been implied that Snoke has been, uh, to some extent, manipulating Ben since he was a baby. He had his eye on him his whole life. Yeah, I find that interesting. And uh, we know that Ben didn't if he was aware of Snoke, didn't talk to his parents about it. And it, so for whatever reason, felt like he didn't want to or couldn't confide in his in his support system. Um, and it left him vulnerable to Snoke. And I think the same thing happens to Anakin. And that's, um, the, the Jedi weren't wrong in not wanting to train him because they were ill-equipped to handle him. Yeah. Um, in yeah. in his state and I I think that's a it that's a tragic decision for everybody because 
they couldn't help him. And I, I feel like they didn't really try because they just tried to make him fit in their mold. And um, that's something that Yoda admits at the end of the Revenge of the Sith novel was that he helped the Jedi crack under the pressure because he wouldn't let them change and adapt and he held on to everything that had been true when he was young um, and it wasn't working anymore and he couldn't see that. Yeah. And so it's, you know. I have a suggestion to make also. Like, we're sort of looking at this from an in-world perspective. Mm -hmm. But, like, if I'm going to criticize the writing, I think, like... If you want, yeah. if you want this character to be better, all you really have to do is give him more agency. Yeah, because um, like one of the criticisms of the prequels is that there's not really a main character. Mm -hmm. It's more like a historical. Yeah. Events happening, where like if Anakin made more decisions, it would feel like he's the main character. Yeah. And like if you gave him a lot of the stuff that either you make Obi-Wan the main character, mm -hmm. like he he should have been in episode two, or or you make Anakin that main character and you have Anakin be the one who finds the clone facility. You have Anakin yeah. be the one who makes all these fucked up mistakes instead of him being swept along in it. Mm -hmm. You actually have him make some bad mistakes and then you kind of more relate to him. Yeah. Any, I mean, certainly he does make some pretty bad decisions along the but way. But you feel like it's not really a decision. No. No. they're never hard to make. Yeah. Exactly. Um. I don't know. That's how I feel about that. Yeah, and that's fair. Yeah, that, exactly. The, this, this is a discussion of what happened from an in-world perspective. Yeah, but if you were to yeah. step back for a second, yep. like, I feel like that would fix it. Mm-hmm. You just have, yeah, some subtle alterations of the the point of view of the yeah like the, the story. The point of view of the story is super fucked up. Yeah. So. Anyway. Agreed. We want to talk about next. Um. Well, I I kind of I think uh, this scene that we I I want to talk about this scene again where um. Anakin kills Count Dooku. Okay. Because, uh, you know, we, we've talked about this scene before in the context of um, this sort of emphasis for Anakin as, uh, like, having been a slave and then a Jedi. And you have this scene where it's just Palpatine and Anakin. Dooku is at his mercy. Anakin's like, okay, we're going to arrest him. And Palpatine's like, you should kill him. It'd be, you know just he's gonna get away just kill him and Anakin says well you know that's not the Jedi way like yikes dude like let's not do this and um so Palpatine tries to convince him to do it he won't do it and then Palpatine literally orders him to do it yeah and he says it in this really you know, like scary scary voice and Maybe least with the force a little bit. Yeah, we don't know. And Anakin does it instantly. He just does it without thinking. Yeah. And I... Um, so he's been trained to follow orders. Yeah. I think in the novel, they, they attempt to give him agency in that decision by making it 
feel like Dooku is giving him permission, or uh, sorry, Palpatine is giving him permission to kill Dooku. That he's like finally unleashing him to allow him to do what he's always wanted to do and give in to his anger in the dark side. But yeah, the way they play it in the movie is like reflexive obedience. Yeah. Which is so much creepier and grosser and like. Yeah. Um, you know, Palpatine orders him to kill him and he just does it. And then as soon as he does it, he has this moment of realization where he realizes he's murdered this person at his mercy and that he's done it because his master ordered him to. Yeah. And he's like that, that character, I think it can't be emphasized enough that despite his sort of defiant and, uh, rebellious personality is like deeply conditioned to obey authority yeah for Um, sure yeah he he grew up thinking he was gonna explode if he if he ran away and then he gets translated into another system where yeah he's basically told that he's going to explode exactly if he doesn't control his anger exactly so it's like i just think um having that understanding of why that character might jump when you know he might say how high when palpatine says jump and like why that makes sense and um yeah he's never the the jedi use that reflexive obedience to their advantage because he is rebellious so why would they work to decondition that because that's kind of their whole thing as well um it <laughs> sorry <laughs> I'm thinking about the thinking about that uh, Palpatine and your friends <laughs> there's this gif of Obi-Wan saying be wary of your of your friend Palpatine <laughs> and your and your pal friend Patine <laughs> time I think of him saying and your pal friend Patine <laughs> it gets me every time holy shit it gets me every time oh it's, it's so, funny. so funny it's so funny oh it's so funny I yeah. like that like that's like one of my favorite things about Obi-Wan is like his fucking dad jokes yeah I think if they just like took that to a more extreme level yeah that character would be killer I think we should yeah maybe they do in the I think they do in the Clone Wars too just make him like way more like quippy and like yeah. have him be making bad jokes and grinning about it yeah yeah it's mm-hmm. really funny yeah so anyway it just I have a lot of feelings about Anakin and how yeah how uh how unintentionally poorly he was served by the Jedi Order. Yeah. And um that that sort of doesn't go to Vader at all like in the original trilogy, but um mostly his his arc in the prequels. And it doesn't even touch on Padme um cuz I think you know. Yeah. It's fine. But I I just I hate I hate the common narrative, A, that Anakin is whiny or dramatic or, um, 
like hysterical. This kind of ties in with that article you sent me today. Yeah, you can talk about that after. Okay, and sure. And then I and, but I also hate the narrative that romantic love brings down the Republic and the Jedi Order. Ugh. Because it is not about Anakin's relationship with Padme that fucks all this shit up. If anything, that's like the one thing keeping him afloat. Yeah, and it's literally what say like his love for his family uh, is what saves him. Yeah. This is a person who deeply, deeply craves belonging and deeply craves a family because he actually knows what that's like and he lost it. And like none of the other Jedi do know what it's like because they were all born into this order. They were taken from their families as children, as babies, and raised with the Jedi Order to be their family. And Anakin yeah. Anakin never fits into that because he knows what it's like to have an actual family. And so he wants that back more than anything. He is so happy when he finds out that Padme is pregnant and that they're going to be a family. And when he loses that... Is he? Isn't he kind of like... He's taken aback, but yeah. but then he's, like, obsessed with it. That Like, he's, like, really excited for the rest of the movie. Right, right. I mean, he gets nervous because he thinks she's going to die. But right. I think he's genuinely excited about it. And when he finds out that he has... That his son is still alive in the original trilogy, it that's, that's when he turns against the Emperor. And his first... You know, he immediately makes the entreaty to Luke that, you know, we can overthrow the Empire together. Like, let's... Yeah, because he's obsessed with family. Yeah, he's obsessed with his family. And, um... Not in the bad way. Yeah. That's sort of what... Yeah, and he, um... That's what redeems him. Luke being unwilling to give up on him. And when he sees that Luke loves him, despite what he is, you know, it gives him the strength to finally break from this, like, incredibly abusive relationship with Palpatine. And... And defeat him and turn back to the light side. And I think it's such a disservice to that character and to Padme to characterize that as being the problem with the... um, Yeah. Like, it's not about the relationship. And if anything, it's about the fact that he has to hide the relationship. That he's not allowed to love who he wants freely and and that they aren't allowed to be together. It's the stifling of that relationship that causes some of the problems, as opposed to the relationship itself. Um, which is a lesson that I, I imagine that Luke takes into his, you know, new Jedi Order, is that there were... Hopefully. Yeah. Yeah, we don't know anything about what actually happened in the new canon, so... Yeah, we don't know what he did, but I can't imagine he's, like, a traditional Jedi. He'd already been rejecting the teachings that Obi-Wan and Yoda had been trying to get him to stick to. He was like, whatever, I love my friends, screw you guys. So. Anyway. I think so. Yeah. Oh, you want, yeah, you were going to talk about that article, I think. Yeah, you sent me this article about how... Anakin is, in a lot of ways, written in the way that stereotypically you would write a female character. Mm-hmm. Where, like, and people, and, like, fanboys react to him in the same way they react to, like... <laughs> yeah, Ray or... Yeah, they're like, why is he so whiny? Why mm-hmm. is he, like, 
why are his emotions like why is he so emotional all the time like yeah I thought that was a really interesting comparison because like in a lot of ways all those traits that people disliked about Anakin are t- are the typical traits that people hate in female characters or yeah. people I yeah female people too yeah it's true like a lot of the like traits that that men usually be like you know too emotional and whiny Mm -hmm. like yeah you're being dramatic you're being dramatic this is not yeah yeah, exactly yeah exactly it's like just don't have emotions yeah just have anger that's the only real emotion yeah well i mean the jedi the jedi are like the dudes of they're like the yeah they're like the patriarchy of the universe yeah they're just like you know we're just gonna assign you to a really handsome guy and like don't fall in love with them make sure you and obi-wan don't ever fuck yeah it's fine and (laughs) yeah sorry i just went off the anyway no that's the thing it's like yeah it's like you know you have to be really close with everyone in the jedi order but don't fuck each other that's sinful or yeah don't don't have attachments to them yeah don't have attachments don't get attached to to them yeah exactly here's your here's your clone army don't get attached to them yeah you have to love everyone but then don't be attached to them yeah and we'll give you a padawan and we'll give you which i get on the cosmic level like for yoda that makes sense yeah and i still kind of as a philosophy i kind of Mm -hmm. do favor that Mm -hmm. you know like loving everyone without gaining attachments yeah no i get it too um especially the older i get like the, the more sense it makes um, totally does. But it's like, and, and that's sort of the crux of it, right? Is that the older you get and the farther away you get from the sort of incredibly intense um, emotion that you experience when you're young, or like really young, the, the less you can understand it. And the more you just want to dismiss it or minimize it. Miss what? the the emotion like the the kind of emotions like the older we get the the easier it is to forget what it was like to be a teenager sure yeah um and that's like the the whole thing in a nutshell is that they're just like just don't be teenagers yeah yeah yoda's like 800 and he's like you know maybe like grow up (laughs) yeah exactly maybe (laughs) maybe get get 800 (laughs) just get good like come on i did it yeah so, um, exactly. So that, you know, they, they just can't, they can't understand. They, they stop trying to understand what these characters are going through. And yeah, they don't, and because, and because they're in a war, there's even less opportunity. A star war. A star war. The real villain is the war. It ruined everything. Palpatine. And in the prequels, the protagonist is the war. Yeah. That's like... Yeah. The main characters of the war. Yeah. Which is not a good thing. No. There's, yeah, a lot of missteps made in that movie. You want it? Oh, no, you were, we were going to talk about that article. Yeah. You started talking about it. Yeah, that's pretty much all I had. I'll link it. It's yeah. A, it's worth reading. Yeah, Suzanne sent, sent, sent it to me. Cool. Um, yeah, it's an, in, there's, um, there's one about Kylo that Kylo. links to that as being like, um, a witch archetype. Kylo as a witch archetype? Yeah. As like a feminine witch archetype. Kylo is... I have a lot of feelings about that. Anyway. 
Yeah, I think I think the article links from that. Yeah, that, that one you should read it. I could. Yeah, it's interesting. Kylo for me is very much like a not a female character, but has feminine qualities. Yeah, and I think I think that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so yeah, the, yeah, this article was about Anakin as like female coded, as opposed to like he's not a female character. He's, right, he's like. They use a lot of the same... Yeah, using similar tropes that they use for yeah. historical female storytelling. Including the lack of agency as, like, other people um, being in control of everything he does. Right. And uh, how that, you know, damages him. Yeah, so I, I think... Um, yeah, I don't want to defend his writing, but I really want to defend that character. Because I, I think he's a really interesting character. Yeah, I like that character, and I think there were missteps made with him, especially in the movies as opposed to the Clone Wars. But um, he gets a he gets a bum rap. He he got the short end of the stick. People and he, make fun of him a lot. Yeah, and he gets blamed for it as a person. Like his character gets blamed for a lot of shit that. There's a, he bears some responsibility for obviously, but um, there were circumstances involved beyond his control that make him just as much of a victim as the other characters that he damages. More of a victim. Yeah. So um, there's a very deeply emotionally traumatized uh, person who didn't get the help that he needed, and. Um, he brought down the galaxy around him as a result. Woo. <laughs> yeah. Save Anakin Skywalker. And we uh, do. And we do. That's that's the whole thing. Yeah. The, I think the knights, the nicest. Like it is nice. Yeah. And on a lighter note, let's rank him on our Imperial Cuteness Meter. We need like a little jingle here that's like <laughs> cute, cuteness meter. <laughs> um yeah. Alright, welcome to Imperial Cuteness Meter. <laughs> Episode this is the 12. Part of the show where we rank. Yeah, we're cuteness. today's characters on the cuteness meter. Okay, so, um, let's write, let's like write it on paper separately and then reveal. Okay. Or no, hold your fingers okay, okay. behind your back. Okay. So there's five, okay, so it's out of five. It's out of five. Okay, we're and separating, we're gonna say Anakin Skywalker and Darth Vader are two separate. I think we can agree that Darth Vader has zero cuteness. See, I was gonna say, I was gonna say one. One. Because like sometimes in the I don't know he in just, the comics he's he kind he of... does kind of cute things in the comics sometimes. Okay, 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 okay. All right. Okay. Uh, Anakin Skywalker on a cuteness scale. Okay. One, two, three, go. Okay. Oh. oh. <laughs> okay, so. <laughs> Jamie held up three fingers. Yeah, I'm. I'm like it's kind of a three and a half. I don't know. I held up. Four. Yeah, no, okay. I think he's pretty cute. Yeah. And yeah. not necessarily physically, but yeah. he's, he's more, essentially more. a six foot five puppy dog with great hair. Yeah. No, and fair. Yeah. I can get behind that. Yeah. Okay. I I'm I'm definitely gonna have I don't know if a three and a half. I, do I have to say Hayden Christensen though? Like I think no, no, Anakin, in my head he's Anakin. kind of He's kind of animated yeah. more than he is. Yeah. He's, like, especially cute in Rebels. 
He has like one scene in in Rebels where you see like flashback Anakin Skywalker. Yeah, he's yeah, super yeah. cute he in Rebels. Is, he is a darling. Yeah, and okay, so let's just like for scale then, who's a zero on the cuteness scale? If we're gonna like, so the people Jabba have a comparison. Hutt. Jabba the Hutt. Yeah, fair. I was gonna say Palpatine also a zero. Palpatine. <laughs> Friend Patine is also a zero on the cute scale. He is literally never cute. Zero. Yeah. And then a five is like Poe Dameron <laughs> or BB-8. BB-8, yeah. BB-8 also a five on the cuteness scale. Poe Dameron. R2-D2. I think like... He's more of a... I mean, he's not, he's not a five. Because he's kind of surly. <sighs> yeah, he is pretty damn cute though. Do you think, like, I think, like, Ray is a five on the cuteness scale, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Ray is a five out of yeah. five. Yeah. And so, I think, like, when when I say cuteness, I'm measuring, it's like a D&D charisma score. Like, multiple things can yeah. contribute. Oh, definitely. Like, definitely. Lo- looks can contribute to it, but also, like, charm. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, just, like, yeah. Well, and, like... Because obviously Poe Dameron is cute in a different way than BB-8. Yeah. But they're both still 5 out of 5 cute. This is, I think, my main attraction to the new movies. Is not necessarily the story or the anything else about it. I think my main attraction to the new movies is the cuteness. Yeah, cause Finn is also 5 out of 5 on the cuteness scale. Everyone in the fucking movie is like a 5 out of, except for yeah. like Han Solo. As, yeah. like, yeah, like, all the main characters are, like, a 5 out of 5 on the adorable scale. Yeah. Yeah. Even Kylo Ren, like, they're all just fucking, like... Yeah. I think they're all just, like, so charming and silly Appealing. and goofy and, yeah. like, you just want to, like, pinch their cheeks. Yeah, that, and that, that's definitely why, like, Finn and Rey and Poe and BB-8 are, like, a great new trilogy because they're all... They're adorable. 5 out of 5 would cute again. Yeah, exactly. Definitely. So I think that's like make more movies with cuties. Yeah. Please. Exactly. I think like Rogue One, maybe we're gonna get some also some five out of fives on the cutie. I don't know about Rogue One. I think I think Rogue One is gonna have some surlies, not some cuties. I think everyone's gonna be kinda like like War is hard. Yeah. You know like Jin, Jin or so five out of five on the cuteness scale. I don't know though. I don't know. I like her, but I think she might be kind of like, kind of like, rough and tumble. That can be cute. I know, but I'm just saying like Star Wars. Like I think the main series Star Wars is like kind of like charming and jokey and yeah. like one-linery and you know like do I talk first? Do you talk first? <laughs> like I think yeah. that, like that kind of a thing. Yeah. But I think this is going to be more like. Christopher Nolanized Star Wars. Well, I think that's definitely what they're going for. Grimdark Star Wars. But then maybe they reshot it to make it more regular Star Wars. Maybe. I don't know. But it's something... That's that's my feeling about it. It's like, it'll be awesome. I don't know if it'll be cute. Right. Yeah, true. It doesn't mean it's bad. I'm just saying, like, I don't know if it's... I'm not getting really a cute vibe from it. No, that's true. Do you think we're going to have, like... Anyone for my cute Imperial watch? This week? No, in Rogue One. 
Oh, undoubtedly. Like, there's got to be some, right? Like Hollywood is getting, like, I mean, at least in Star Wars, like, they just cast all cuties. Right? Like, there's going to be some background cuties. cuties. There's got to be. Maybe they'll even get names. I almost, I thought you were going to say naked. Uh, no, they're definitely not going to get that. Definitely. <laughs> Do you think we're ever going to see Kylo Ren without his shirt off? That's I think, a good question. Yeah. I think we are. I think we will at some point. I think we will. You just don't cast Adam Driver for no reason. Like, yeah, he's got a fucking eight pack. Yeah, I know. They've got, I mean, they've got to, right? They have to take they his ha- shirt off. They have to. Like, rip it off? <laughs> I don't know. With a lightsaber? Maybe. Artistically, like when he's in a battle? <laughs> just like they did with Padme in episode two? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they might. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Makes sense. They could have done. They could have done it at the end of Force Awakens, and they didn't, though. So maybe they won't. It was in the snow. Yeah, it would have been cold. Yeah, you would have seen his hard nipples. What? You can't. You can't. You can't, you can't say that on TV. Isn't this rated? I don't know. I. We're already rated R. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> What? You would have. Yeah, no, yeah. He no. would have been so cold. Uh, he, it was cold in the snow, it's true. Uh, let's just le- let's leave that at that. Yeah, anyway. I was just going for cute here. There wasn't going to be any nakedness. Nakedness can be cute. You can. But those uniforms are cuter. Agreed. Yeah. So... I have two high ho. I have high hopes for that. So, okay. A plus. A plus. So now we're definitely now. There's a, a Clone Wars character in Rogue One. We need to find out more about Anakin. Uh, we gotta watch this damn show. I think I'm gonna start <laughs> with the movie. Yeah, I think, I think so. I'm gonna start with the movie. And uh, yeah, I've been thinking about starting it. Um, I I was gonna watch it last night, and then I made notes about Anakin instead. Let's but, do it. Um, let's watch Clone Wars. Yeah, so let's watch the movie first. I think that's where like Ahsoka gets introduced. And cool. Then... Maybe we can talk about that next week. Yeah. Clone Wars. We watch the movie. We could at least watch the movie. Yeah. Talk sure. about that and then go from there. That's a good idea. Okay. So this was Jamie and Dana. Nobody is the Imperial or Rebel player this week because this was during the Clone Wars and there was no. Can Empire. I be the clone one? You can be. The I can be the trade republic. The, no, you, the clones are the republic. Oh, I'd be the trade federation. Like the droid, droid, the, the separatists. I think I'm the separatists. Yeah, you're the droids, and I'm the clones. Yeah, that's true. You are the droids, and I am a clone. I it, yeah. Yeah, basically, right? Yeah. Okay. It's like fire versus water. Droids are very much like fire. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. So. Uh, next week, yeah, next week we'll be back with um, the Clone Wars, and then the week after that we'll be back with our review of Claudia Gray's Lost Stars. So if you have not started that, um, get on it. Get on it. It's so good. Um, if you can't spare time to read, get the audiobook. Yeah, it's got sound effects and voices. This is the part where we would say that if we were advertised by Audible, we'd be like, 
you can actually get this book for free. Oh, you can. You, you can. can. Your first book on Audible is free, so yeah, you, you don't have an excuse. Yeah, if you don't have an Audible account, sign up for Audible and get Lost Stars as your first this book. This is not a paid advertisement. <laughs> no, we just like Audible. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so uh, we'll see you next week. And uh, have, have a good week. Good night. like to find more stuff about Star Wars from me and Jamie, you can check out our website at imperialhearts.com or tweet at us at imperial underscore hearts. The music used in this podcast is clips from the song Breakfast with Tiffany by Broke for Free. Thank you for listening to the Imperial Hearts podcast.